And welcome back to Scottish Highland Discs, the program where we ask which recordings you'd like to have with you if you were stranded in the Scottish Highlands. afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are, I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 660, Tales of Edinburgh. Modern economics known as lazy fare Ironic oven that Scotsmen are so tight Beneath me kilt I'm not wearing underwear And if you didn't believe me You're a bag of shite Thank you Well, it seems like August was just a year ago, but here we are again, back in August of 2019, and sadly, we are not returning this year to the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, which swung into action this weekend. I always want to be in Edinburgh, at least in spirit, especially during the Fringe. So to get myself in the fringy mood, I'm re-watching Trainspotting. I'm binging the TV series Case Histories, based on the Kate Atkinson novel and starring Jason Isaacs as Jackson Brody, which is set in Edinburgh, although why so few characters have actual Scottish accents is very confusing to me. And I'm also re-listening to some of the previous podcast episodes we've recorded in Edinburgh, and I wanted to share some of those highlights with you. As we go, you'll be hearing songs from the complete Millennium Musical Abridged, which we performed 20 years ago this summer in 1999 at the Assembly Rooms in Edinburgh. One of the great joys of going to the Fringe, in in addition to seeing so many great shows, is frequently getting to meet the artists doing these shows. And that was absolutely the case when I met Rachel Paris in the summer of 2016. I first saw her in the wonderful improv show Ostentatious, which is always a brand new improvised Jane Austen novel, but I also saw her perform her solo show, and I loved them so much I wanted to chat with her for the podcast. Now, of course, she's a viral sensation for her work on the MASH report on the BBC, but here from podcast episode 511, Improvising Jane Austen, Rachel Paris talks about performing not only 
only one show at the Fringe, but two. It's been wonderful. Like, I, I love the Fringe. I've been coming for like 10 years, so, you know, I love doing it. But this has been, this has been a really knackering year. I'm so tired. <laughs> I was doing my solo stuff before I started doing Ostentatious. Because um, so. in addition to being an improviser and actor, you're a fantastic songwriter. I've always done the songwriting um, and sort of like cabaret and concert stuff like that. And, but then about, uh, what year are we? <laughs> 2016. 16. So six years ago, I started, a year before I started doing Ostentatious, um, I started doing stand-up and musical comedy songs at the piano. Uh-huh. So I've been doing that a while now, and I came up, started doing it at the Fringe um, in 2011, the year before we started doing Ostentatious at the Fringe. So for me, they've always run alongside each other, and it feels a little bit empty to do one and not the... It feels... Because I, I did also improv and stand-up more or less alongside each other as well. So for me, doing an improv show and doing a stand-up show uh, and a solo show and a group show is is just the right balance for me. It gives you like the you get so much out of doing a show by yourself. You know, getting to carefully craft an hour, like the writing and the way you can control everything about it from start to finish. And then you get so much out of doing the improv show on the side as well. Well, it's funny we we um, we happen to be the reason we came and saw your show and it was before. Well, my wife and daughter saw it before we saw Ostentatious. Uh, it was we were walking past your venue as your show was letting out and everybody that was walking past you was saying to you as you stood there to thank them for coming oh that was lovely oh that was lovely lovely and so that was our well, we've got to go see Rachel Paris because it's lovely um, and we did and they were right it was lovely you say lovely in the guise of where I come from in England which is the Midlands <laughs> well and lovely. and lovely and that's but that's what it sounded like most of your audience was coming you had a Midlands audience that day. Maybe they are. Maybe I attract everyone from where I'm from. Um, <laughs> lovely. Another thing that's lovely, of course, is seeing old friends at the Fringe, one of whom is Fringe regular Tim Fitzheim, who also in the summer of 2016, from episode 508, told me tales of his Shakespearean ancestors. Yes, not Shakespeare himself, but Alain, the business partner of Shakespeare. I think Alain was the man that Shakespeare rented the land off to build one of the theatres. Okay. And was one of the shareholders in the company. One of the actors. Didn't Ben Affleck play him in the movie? Right. In the documentary Shakespeare in Love? Me. Yeah, probably right. So, yes, related to Ben. That's not Ben Affleck. Uh, Yes, one of the family married an Alain. Okay. So they were neighbours in Essex, I think, a long time ago. And somebody married uh, one of the Alains. Okay. And that's the link between my family and and the kind of coterie around Shakespeare. Okay. And then um, one of the my ancestors' cousins was this woman called uh, Alice Hyam who then changed her name because she became a Roman Catholic. So she changed her name to Anne. And she then married a man called Roger and became Anne Lyne, who okay. then became Saint Anne Lyne. Oh. Uh, in the way that you have to become sainted Ooh. by being largely canonised by being you know, yeah, killed. Yeah, killed. very, very killed. Uh, yeah, yeah. So she was, um, she was found to be harbouring priests in her house, and at the trial they said in Protestant England, in, not a good thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And in, at the trial they said to her, and the judge was also related to the family as well, which made Christmases a bit awkward, <laughs> really. Uh, but uh, <laughs> heavily Protestant family with a secret Catholic, who then at the trial they said to her. Um, you, you're accused of hiding priests in your house and her defence was I wish I could have had a bigger house then I could have hid more priests oh. so she just didn't shy away from it like a boss yeah no 
she really yeah. did. And they went, right, well, we'll just move straight to the... Uh, <laughs> execution. Straight to the sentence. Sentence, yeah. Somebody find the hat. Uh, and, um, and basically they sentenced her to be uh, hanged okay. at Tyburn, which is where Marble Arch is now in yeah. London. Um, and uh, she then got put in prison. And what I find really interesting about it, because I didn't know much about this, my dad's never really talked about it, but no-one in the family has, but... Um, is that she was really, really ill in prison. She got terribly, terribly ill in prison. And she paid for a doctor to come to her in prison, mm-hmm. specifically to keep her alive. I mean, she was like, there's accounts of her thro- choking up blood and being really, really ill. And there's accounts of her saying to the doctor, you have got to keep me alive so I can be martyred. So they can kill me. Yeah, exactly right. You've <laughs> got to keep me alive so I can be killed. It's the most extraordinary logic you've ever heard wow. of in your life. But she did. She stayed alive. They managed to keep her alive. She's very frail. Uh, they got her to the scaffold, at which point she apparently tucked her petticoats uh, uh, into her um, very in a ladylike fashion, mm-hmm. and said that she wants to be modest even in death. And the crowd thought this was just extraordinary. You know, she was a, just a, apparently just a really nice lady, and, and the crowd mm. was sort of on her side. Oh. I think very much Shakespeare was on her side, and so he wrote obviously this uh, this poem about it, uh, which is called "The Phoenix and the Turtle," um, she, her being the turtle dove. Okay. Uh, and the phoenix being her husband, who was also martyred, uh, he was burnt at the stake. So that's the uh, illusion with the phoenix being okay. uh, burnt and flying off in that way. It's quite an amazing thing. And, of course, she was called Anne Lyne. And there is, a, uh, there is quite a, a bit of scholarship that's been done about it, but Cymbeline is meant to be a secret Catholic uh, play that Shakespeare wrote. Okay. And symbol of line, symbol line, is, is meant to be the, the... That's the Catholic scholars would say is the, I believe, the, the sort of... It's, about, it's meant to be an allegory about her. Well, and, and, and there are those who believe that Shakespeare was a secret Catholic. Yeah. So for him to be writing, even allegorically, yeah. about Catholic um, heroes, yeah. martyrs, is, uh, was, was, was rather risky behavior. And I, too, am descended from um, religious... Um, Nutters. Uh, 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 my, the, there was a lot of it about. Uh, yeah, the, the the very first Titchener in England was a was a Puritan who came over right. from England. You know, right. so so he could be puritanical uh, over on, on in a America. larger scale. Yeah, on yeah. a much much larger yeah. scale and judgment puritanical and judgmental. And so it del- it delights me no end to think that you know thirteen <laughs> generations on, um, I'm putting on skirts and uh, doing comedy in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> I misspoke there. I should have said the very first Titchener in America was a Puritan from England. Um, But speaking of our forebears, from all the way back in 2007, from episode 38, Reed Martin tells us about his first trip to Edinburgh and the discovery of who exactly his European ancestors were. Reed Martin with Edinburgh Memory number 69. I am of Scottish descent. I am Reed Campbell Martin. My father is Donald Campbell Martin. Uh, My paternal grandfather was John Campbell Martin. My great-grandmother's maiden name was Campbell, and my eldest son is Campbell Martin. Um, And so the first time I went to the Edinburgh Festival in 1990, it felt like a a roots experience. I was going to see my people. And so I got to Scotland, and I, you know, I was very proud. You know, I'm I'm Scottish, and people said, "Great, what clan?" And I said, "The Campbells," and the people would go strangely silent and stare at me. Well, I come to learn that the Campbells are the most hated of the Scottish clans by the Scots, because they were loyalists to the British crown. Not only that, but the Macdonalds were fighting for uh, an independent Scotland, and. Uh, the Campbells invited them over for sort of a truce, for a party, and uh, to bury the hatchet, so to speak. Unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. After this lovely uh, 
meeting and dinner, the McDonald's went to sleep, and the Campbells slaughtered them. So, uh, I'm a Scot, but apparently descended from the bad Scots, not the good Scots. And speaking of Campbells, back in August of 2014, when we were performing the complete history of comedy abridged at the Pleasance Courtyard, I chatted with actor and comedian Yisrael Campbell, whose show Circumcise Me chronicled the story of his three separate conversions to Judaism. This is from podcast episode 401 called Yisrael's Three Conversions. I say in our comedy show that the, I'm not a churchgoer, uh, that the theater is my temple, and it's a line in the show, but it also happens to, it feels true for me. It's very true. When I saw you say that, I thought back, when I was in drama school, John Malkovich was doing Burn This on Broadway, and I used to second act the show. I worked down the street in the um, turning on the video movies, which in those days you actually had to put in the machine and push go, and then I would run down the street and I'd mingle for the half in the intermission. I'd go into the theater, find a seat down front, and watch. I saw the the whole show twice and the second act about an additional twelve times. I was John Malkovich was my lord and savior, <laughs> and the theater was my my temple at the time. And certainly, I've replaced that in in finding religion and finding a place. And yeah. you know, as we talking earlier I didn't have a show on Saturday because that's the limitations of my life now yeah and it was hard watching everybody else get big houses but yeah. it's, it is what it is and well and when you were when you were doing stand-up did you was your material all very personal yeah it was my style of stand-up was always you know the first joke I ever wrote was uh, the first two jokes I ever wrote were uh, they that that Magic Johnson had written a book about AIDS, and I thought, isn't that reading like reading a book about air tra- safe air travel by Amelia Earhart? And then, at the time, Arafat had been lost in the Sudanese desert, and they found him like three days later. And I said, I flew from San Francisco to Los Angeles and lost my luggage for a week. You know, so it started out not so personal, but I, I quickly it became about my life, yeah. growing up with my crazy mother and and Catholicism, and then just added in the Judaism. So you know, as as an actor, as a Jew, let me ask you can I tell this joke um, people think people mistake me for being Jewish all the time and I don't know what it is maybe it's my pale yet Semitic good looks or the fact that I'm tight with a buck I really don't know where, where does that fall is that gonna get me booed protested what do we know I think you're good, you're good. <laughs> the truth is the truth by golly, soon I'm a cloning people for human parts. I'm sick from eating haggis, but I've learned how great a shag is. It gives me joy, but I'm a very bad boy. Thank you. Hello, I'm Mervyn Stutter at the Edinburgh Fringe on my 30th year on the Fringe and I'm celebrating with the Reduced Shakespeare Company and you are listening now to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Hey, thank you. I guess the question really is, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Although it's hard to understand the how and when and why. Like a weed that's been weeded You didn't make the earth or the universe He did Blame it on the Lord If you and your family get put to the sword Blame it on the Lord Or you go too soon to your final reward 
Where can you RSC the RSC? You can see Reduced Shakespeare in your own home by owning your very own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin and illustrated by the marvelous Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. We have one performance left this summer of 2019 of the complete works of William Shakespeare Abridged Revised this week in Lake Placid, New York on August 10th. But we'll also continue touring the complete works of William Shakespeare Abridged Revised this fall with performances in Davidson, North Carolina, Greeley, Colorado, Arcata, California, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Bothell, Washington, I don't know how you pronounce it, Elmira, New York, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, East Lansing, Michigan for two nights, and Branchburg, New Jersey. We'll also be performing the Ultimate Christmas Show Abridged in Pontiac, Michigan on December 14th, and for three nights on December 20th to the 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona. And we'll be premiering our 11th stage show, Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel, in Rohnert Park, California on October 18th to the 20th, and then we'll be performing it in Israel in November with performances in Jerusalem, Haifa, and two performances in Tel Aviv. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. All of our fall of 2019 tour dates are now online. And now back to our Tales of Edinburgh. You just heard before the break our song about cloning Dolly the Sheep from the complete Millennium Musical Abridged. When we performed Millennium in Edinburgh 20 years ago this summer, we were out in the lobby afterwards and this very quiet, dignified man came up to us with a huge grin on his face and said, I'm one of the scientists who cloned Dolly. He was thrilled to be mentioned and we were thrilled to meet him. Now, when we were in Edinburgh two years ago in 2017 with the one our version of William Shakespeare's long-lost first play, Abridged, I spoke with actors Matt Pearson, James Percy, and Joe Maudsley, who in episode 556, Abridged Too Far, told tales of their first times performing at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. I'm honestly so excited to be here uh, with Reduced in Edinburgh, because it's, uh, I don't know, I suppose it Edinburgh, feels... Edinburgh, right? Yeah, I suppose yeah. it feels like a, a, a kind of a spiritual home for uh, for the Reduced Shakespeare Company, right? Well, it's yeah, you're right. And and in fact, this year, 2017, is the 30th anniversary of the RSC's first performance. Yeah. And the debut of the Complete Works of William Shakespeare. So it's, I mean, it's always great to be back, but it's mm. you're great to be back on this year. And is this your, James and Joe, this is your first time performing here? No, I've, I've done another couple of shows here okay. before, um, but... Uh, never this scale, I suppose, with such a such a great venue um, uh, uh, and such a great show. It, it's it's a real it's a real joy to be here. Cool. Yeah, my uh, I came over with my college back in two thousand and two. Is this the Odd Sox? Uh, no, no, with oh. uh, with my uh, college, uh, Noel Baker Community School. And, uh, wow, I've heard yeah. of that. Yeah, <laughs> just and, now. And we uh, we came over with the Urban Spaceman Company and we performed uh, That's what I mean. That's what Road I mean. Road by Jim Cartwright. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was a, a group of like fifteen and sixteen year year olds. And, and I did that thinking I was amazing and going, this is great. And it was, it was great. But to be here and doing it in the Gilded Balloon is is yeah, it's 
This is a this is a great venue. I mean, the the, the 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 space that we're in is the debating hall. It's at the very top of the Teviot building, the Gilded Balloon venue, and it's a proper theater. Yeah, the, I mean, I I feel like we're kind of cheating the fringe a little bit. Like we, we're not in like a, a restroom in the back of a pub. Um, yeah, well, I, I the first time I came to the fringe was 2002, and uh, I was. Uh, I was 12. I was 12, 12 years old, in a student production of True West by sadly departed yeah. recently Sam Shepard. And uh, we did it in the back room of a gay bar called the Hollyrood Tavern, which is just down the road from the Pleasance. And um, it was a gay bar all through the year, apart from during the Fringe, when, like every other building, it becomes a Fringe venue. <laughs> and uh, it was in the back room, so you had the noise from the, from the pub in the front. And, uh, yeah, I think the most we ever had in was four people. Oh, my goodness. So this wow. is, you know, playing to 200-plus people, whatever was in today, that, that's, it, feels, it feels like a, a real privilege to, to have that many people at the yeah. French. Yeah. So uh, what, when you're not performing, have you guys been seeing other shows? Um, are you resting yourself, conserving your energy, not staying off the alcohol? I no. hope, I hope, I hope. Oh, I'm, we're kind of competing, aren't we? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. With alcohol and shows. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is great. Well, I, you, you, you guys will. There's no way you'll, you'll surpass either Teddy Spencer or Reed Martin, who oh, last, really? who last year I think saw each of them over 50 shows in three weeks. But how much did they drink? <laughs> <laughs> you have, you might have them in the drinking Hooray! department. <laughs> So now I'm talking to Chris, who has the unenviable task of going around selling us to the people of the Fringe. Chris, how's it going? It's actually going really well. There's a lot of people have heard of Reduce Shakespeare Company and they really like it. So they're like, ah, oh, come and see the show. And they're like, yes, we will come see you. That's very nice. So you're getting a 100% positive response? No. What? <laughs> I thought so. There's a lot of people who kind of do the, this has Shakespeare in it, I don't like this kind of look <laughs> and then I have to explain it's a comedy and they're like oh maybe and then there's a lot of people who are leaving the next day a lot of people who have booked already right it's a lot of lunchtime shows have you used the line no it's not real Shakespeare it's reduced Shakespeare company they're not the royal they're the other RSC I haven't had to actually there's okay nobody really gone Royal Shakespeare we don't like them <laughs> right it's the reduced we don't care for yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Got it, got it, got it. But so, um, um, and, and I, I happened to see you yesterday with a woman with two little kids who was just so uninterested and desperately wishing for you and I to just go away and leave her in peace. Do you get that a lot? Yes. Ah. A lot um, towards this kind of end of the fringe, there's a lot of people just kind of look at you and go, no, go away. It's Duh. true. We've all lost our patience a little bit. Even I have for other acts that come up to me. Because it's the third week of the four-week the four festival and people are going, I'm, I'm booked. I'm done. I'm not, I'm... No more flyers. No more flyers. And how long will you continue to do this? It's continued as in like for the rest of my life or just for the rest of this fringe? <laughs> the rest of the fringe. I, I, I'm your flyer till you leave, pretty much. Oh, God bless you and all who sail in you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
That was Chris, who was in charge of flyering our shows back in 2014. He spoke to me in episode 402, The Pleasance Courtyard, which is a glorious audio document of all the various tactics people will use to get you to A, take their flyer, and B, see their show. And that's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. You can find the full, unreduced versions of all these episodes by going to our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, and searching for Edinburgh and clicking on the tag Ed Fringe. Then send us your tales of Edinburgh via email to feedback at ReducedShakespeare.com. You can find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSC Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. Thanks as always to Olympian of Theater Matthew Croak, Web Services by Ginger Power Limited, Music by John Weber and Garage Band, and This Week by Nick Graham, who wrote the music to the complete Millennium Musical Abridged with lyrics written by me and Reed Martin. You can download the songs and CD at Apple Music and at Amazon. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Chelfie, who follows us on Twitter. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Edinburgh fringe institution Mervyn Stutter. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 660 1980ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less.